Hey there, and welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vanderweelen, and today we have a very special guest. We have Erin Judge on the show to talk to you about a very real legal issue that she went through in her own coaching business. So Erin is an RD. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist who is a expert on gut issues and IBS issues. So you're going to hear a lot from her today, but she went through a contract issue with a client that is very real very easy to navigate if you have the right pieces in place. Um, and that I imagine will happen to you if it hasn't already. So I wanted to bring Aaron on to talk through a real life scenario. And in us talking through it, actually a whole number of different contract issues came up or things that have happened in her business. So I think this is going to be really helpful and like hands-on for you today. Make sure you stick through until the end of the episode, because at the end of today's episode, I'll share my three takeaways from everything that Aaron shared are the three main things. If you don't take anything else away, I want you to focus on these three things. So stick through with me all the way till to the end. Um, And also you want to keep your eyes peeled because next week, October 16th, I'm announcing a big, big deal on the ultimate bundle. That's only going to be around until that Friday. So for five days only the 16th to the 20th, you're going to want to keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, if you get my emails or if you listen here on the podcast, obviously you can always head to my website, samvanderreeland.com, but make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. All right. With that, I would like to welcome Erin Judge to the show. Erin is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, a certified personal trainer, and the founder of Gutivate, a virtual nutrition counseling practice for digestive disorders and gastrointestinal conditions. Erin's expertise is in providing medical nutrition therapy for functional gut disorders with a patient-centered focus. She is proud of her work in education and advocacy for the IBS patient community through social media, as well as her work in providing resources for dietitians in the GI field. Let's welcome Erin to the show. Hey, Erin, welcome to On Your Terms. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I would love if you would tell all the lovely people who you are and what you do. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm Erin Judge. I'm a dietitian, and I work in the IBS and digestive disorder space. So I've been running a virtual nutrition counseling practice for almost five years now, and we solely focus on IBS and digestive disorders and help people through one-to-one programs, online membership programs, um, pop-up programs, social media, you know, everything that we can uh, virtually. Yes. And you do an epic job on social media of providing so much value. If anybody listening has any like IBS issues or you know someone who does, I'm always sending people your way. My my massage therapist, Ashley, she was telling me about IBS stuff and I was like, you have to follow my friend Erin. And like now every single, I see her every Friday and she's like, did you see what Erin said this week about this? <laughs> she's so cute. So, so she funny. loves you. Yeah. yeah no so. one is like poop girl or IBS girl. Yeah. And- which is fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I love that you're taking a topic that, you know, people, like I feel like you and I are similar in that respect of like people don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. We, they run away from us for different reasons. Like people don't want to talk about poop and like people don't want to talk to their lawyer, you know. And I feel like we do a good job of being like, hey, come hang out with us. Like we can make this fun. You have a poop pillow. I, I do. need a lawyer yeah. pillow. So we're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pillow, the colon pillow. I've got a poop outfit. Uh, poop socks, you know, all the things just to, anything you got to do. Yeah, it's having fun and, you know, it's life doesn't last that long and so we have to have fun with mm-hmm. something and I like that my work is sort of taboo in some ways and stigmatized but getting to have fun with it and 
break down some barriers has been a really cool thing to get to do. Absolutely. Yes. And unfortunately, I mean, you and I have both been like very personally affected and impacted by grief. And I do feel like that makes you, uh, I don't know, have a little more fun with some, some of these things where we can, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you and I, so for full disclosure, Aaron and I are friends. And <laughs> so we were, <laughs> so I'll admit that up front. <laughs> this is all a sham. We're actually <laughs> friends, but she is also an Ultimate Bundle member. Actually, you were in the bundle actually before I knew you. Yes, I was be in fair. the bundle before. But, I think I was yeah. in the bundle maybe before I even followed you on Instagram. So I think I was in the bundle before I knew even who you were which is interesting. It was almost like a very disconnected. So I think even whenever we officially met in person, there were just the moments of us becoming friends. And I was like, wait a second, this is connect. Like you're this person. I didn't realize that I even bought this, you know, forever ago. And this is what I've been using. And that's you. Um, I somehow never put the pieces together when we actually became friends. Yeah, I know. Well, when people are like tackling the legal part of their business, I think they're just like, let me just get this over with, you know? So that that makes sense to me. But we've since become friends. And we went to Mexico in March. That was amazing. Can't wait to go back there. Um, but I I remember a couple of weeks ago, you called me and you were telling me, this is a perk of being, being friends, and you were telling me that you had a little bit of a sticky contract issue going on. So could you fill everybody in as to like what was going on and then you and I can talk through it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yes, best thing about having friends, one in business as a whole, <laughs> getting to talk through hard things and fears, but also someone who understands legal stuff. Because I will say, as a health practitioner in business, the legal side of things feels so incredibly scary um, and overwhelming. And especially when you just want to help people, like sometimes I feel like the legal part, like I don't, it just it feels very daunting. Um, and there's a lot of fears around that. So it's always helpful to communicate those, but. <clears throat> This particular situation, I'll give some back to context because I think whenever I mentioned this to you, there was this history of where the fear was coming from. Um, so I remember one of my first clients that I took on, one of the first people I ever allowed to have a really long-term payment plan. So our services, we work in packages. So we create payment plans for clients in order to spread that payment out. And they start paying before they meet with us. But once the payment plan starts, you know, it kind of keeps going and then we're meeting with them, we're providing the service, we're providing, you know, everything that we have agreed to. And then there's just mutual trust a little bit that we're providing our service and that they're also continuing to pay their payment plan. So this one client, um, we gave her a 12 month payment plan for a four month program. Bad idea. And it was very low. red flag alert. Yeah, red alert. But I was, I felt bad. I wanted to offer something people could afford. Like I was trying mm-hmm. to do it out of compassion. And, um, you know, she kind of convinced it was one of those things where I was like, I think I trust her. And ultimately she had a baby and decided that after she had her baby, even though we had finished our program together with success, she couldn't pay her payment plan anymore. And she just ditched me. And it was so low. I think she probably owed me like three or $400. My pricing overall was pretty low at that time. But I remember feeling just like almost robbed. Like I felt like someone came into my house and like robbed me. And I remember getting so upset about it. And years later, she apologized, which I really appreciated. But I felt just so betrayed and frustrated. And that was the first time this had ever happened to me in business. So immediately 12 month package plans all taken away. I was like, we'll never do that again. Um, started charging more for payment plans because I didn't do that before, you know, all those things. Cause I was like, I can't take on that risk again. So fast forward to a few weeks ago, months ago, 
um, we had uh, a client who was signed up to work with us. So we, again, four months, our contract is very solid in terms of this is four months. Uh, you are responsible you know, for scheduling your appointments. We communicate that as clearly as we can. I always try to vet out, you know, communicate what's involved. Like it is going to be four months. We're committed to you. You're committed to us. Like we are a team for four total months. Um, And we had someone who, you know, summer was busy and wanted to pause our program. And we've Mm. dealt with pauses in the past and it's okay. You know, that there are situations and we can work with, um, but we like there to be boundaries. And so we tried to establish those boundaries. And in the meantime of us trying to figure out, okay, when do we restart? Like what's the clear cut, you know, communication about what this pause looks like her next payment um, and her payment plan was charged automatically. We charge automatically. Now we keep credit card, you know, we do all the right things now that we didn't do before. And, you know, she reached out and this was the day I messaged you because she reached out and said, you know, well, I thought we were pausing, but I just got charged. And our contract is very clear in that like the payment plan keeps going. Uh, I know, you know, we can talk about some other things we were discussing, but I had to communicate with so much fear because my biggest fear was like, okay, she's just going to ditch us. And like, this is a client that was working with a member of my team as well. I'm already paying the team member you know, she's been doing the work, she's been reaching out, this person hasn't been responsive even. So we're putting in lots of work that is now kind of getting voided, you know, all this communication. So there's, it was a little bit messy. And my biggest fear was like, she's gonna just cancel her card, maybe do a chargeback. We've never had that. Mm -hmm. It was a large amount of money, you know, the fees on it alone are just so much. And I was so afraid to say, you know, we need to accommodate your pause, you know, through, a very clear cut, you know, date, like we need a date now to say we can even allow a pause. And we need to know what that looks like. We also do not allow payment plans to pause, like the payment plan will continue um, as per the contract. So I messaged you, I was like, Oh, no, what do I do if she like cancels on us or like charges us back? Because you know, at that time before we, you know, open up the communication channel a little bit more, it just felt really scary. And that was my biggest fear Mm. at that moment. Um, It didn't happen. So I'll say it worked out and the client was very considerate and understanding. So it was more me, but it still felt scary. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's helpful in a way now that it's worked out that I feel like it's always helpful to look back at those situations. Like these, these things are always opportunities for us to clean up our own like legal stuff, backend systems, like, procedures even of like what what we do. And like, I think one of the things that I remember talking to you about was that like, we can't anticipate every variable of every situation. We would have to have like 8,000 contracts. Our, pay- our contracts would be 8,000 pages, you know? And so some of this is like, just first, just releasing yourself, I feel like as a business owner to be like, I don't need to necessarily have a plan for every single thing. And then if we have the basics, then we can like navigate it moving forward. And some of these things are just learning lessons, right? And you and I talked about that. Like you obviously learned from the first person who who did this. You learned a lot and and like you adjusted, right? So I just want everyone listening too to realize like, I feel like there's like a lot of shame sometimes like you were saying, you know, there can be this like, oh no, are they going to leave me? And then sometimes that can cause people to question themselves, their service, their quality of service, like that kind of stuff. So 
I think just embracing that that's like normal and that we're always updating on on our team. We always call it the like, oh, didn't know we had to cover that kind of thing because we're always like, wow, like so people shock me, right? I like think I think of every scenario and then somebody pulls a fast one on us. I'm like, wow, I did not think about saying that in my contract. So now we have that language. So like these things are movable, breathable documents. So that's cool, right? But I think it's it's a really good like point that you bring up about like the the pause in your business, like from your, I don't know, like business policy was probably more to allow somebody to take time, right? Like, cause they were too busy. Like in the example you gave, this woman was busy, right? Or the other person had a baby, but you financially, like what you and I were talking about was like, you financially were on the hook. So like you had, you had made space, you had paid the person, like you had all of the things. And this person had gotten access to a lot of resources that technically speaking, they could have bounced with, right? So that's like Aaron or other people like Aaron who who have these rules in place, like they're not trying to be evil. This is like, this is part of the deal. And if you go to Target and you get a blanket and you pay for it, you can't be like, well, my summer got busy and now I'm tired and I also had a baby. So like, I'll think about paying you later in the fall. Like, it's just not how it works, right? So I wanted to clear that up for you too, that this is not you being evil, but it's okay for you to have business boundaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you said that. And I think that that's so true of, I mean, most of the business owners I know are that way where we get into business um, to help people, right? Like we get in, especially in healthcare, it's like we get into business to do good. And if I always say, you know, if money wasn't a thing and I could do all the work that I do for, for free for people, I would hundred percent would, you know, because it is so fulfilling and I understand, but I also know how hard it is when you are coming into a business relationship as a client, like sometimes you don't see what all goes on behind the scenes and it's easy just to think like, Oh, this doesn't matter. Or like, you know, whatever it may be, you know, that that goes through your mind. And obviously if you're not getting a service that you were supposed to be getting, that's a different conversation. But whenever you are and you're just not responding to people or you're not understanding that there's an assistant that's taking time that costs money, there are credit card fees (laughs) that are a lot of money that if, someone's not charging you those fees, like we eat it as, as business owners and we pay, you know, a lot of money to, to work with people. And sometimes there's licensure fees that we pay on our end. And there's so many things that go into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I never want to be the person to say, you know, guilt trip somebody of like, oh, you should feel guilty because you are trying to cancel on me. And like, I'm, you know, losing money. But I think if people could really see how much money could be lost and is lost often from these situations before they're protected. You know, there's a lot of situations like that in our business where now we're protecting them. And I know you and I talked about that of like, how do we protect this? Of like my flexibility of allowing pauses and allowing, you know, space to maybe spread things out and just like being really reasonable with somebody like that can come back and hurt me for wanting to be reasonable Um, and so now it's like, okay, well now I have to put that language in a contract, but you read it and you might think that sounds so silly as a client, but at the same time, it's like, well, you don't know like what people have been capable of. And you may not even know what you do to someone, to a business owner, like, because it's just hard to see it until you've walked those shoes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the things I like about having legal protection in places that to me, it like depersonalizes it a little bit and makes it a little bit more businessy, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not you, Aaron, that's making this choice. It's like, you have a company, this is the policy, you agreed to it and that's that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, so much of what you're talking about is about like accommodation. And I think that 
accommodating people can be really nice. And I think what's so unfortunate about like, I feel like what I've learned, what you've learned in, in business is that unfortunately, sometimes when you accommodate people, it can go sideways, right? And like, there are lots of people we've accommodated and everything's been fine. That's great. But then there are people you accommodate who it doesn't go the same way. So to Aaron's point, like what we talked about was writing something into your contracts that says, you know, we don't, we don't allow like a, a pause, typically speaking. However, it's at our discretion, for example, that like the, the member or the, the customer will be like granted a one-time 30-day pause or maximum 60-day pause. Like you can even put a limit on how long, like for everybody listening who's a coach, this is absolutely something you would have to address because people ask to pause all the time. Mm-hmm. This is very common. So you would like put a limit and you would say that it's also a one-time thing. Just like Aaron said, you would also say like, their your payments will continue or like if they paid you up front like you're not returning any money or something like that so you would say that that haul has to continue but i i know that one of the things that we talked about was saying about how you would also put an end date like by you know regardless of of like the extension or whatever all the the customer's entire program must be completed by and then you would like put the date like let's say it was if it was a four month program it would be like five months or six months out or so, however long of an extension you're willing to give but i think having that language up front could help you to in the future now to navigate this kind of issue absolutely and we definitely started working on that right after yeah and i think you know this particular client definitely understood and appreciated mm-hmm. the pause will she restart with that you know that's always the <laughs> to be continued. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she is paid, I do think helps because she's more mo- motivated and like, it's a win-win for both sides where my dietitian is being paid properly. And like, we have our side of, you know, that contract and that spot, you know, she took, but also now she has this covered and like, there is motivation to like get what she came for in the program, you know, because at the end of the day, she signed up for a reason. And like, we truly do believe that we know we provide good service. So um, you know, ultimately it does work out. All of our clients who've gotten pauses for reasonable reasons, um, it always works out really well and people do really appreciate it. It's just making sure you're protected in that so that we're not constantly accommodating to the point where and I've done this in the past, you're making no money and you're working, you know, countless mm-hmm. hours and you can't take on new clients and uh, you're stuck in a place that's hard to get out of because you just want to help. Um Mm-hmm. We can't help if we're all just bleeding money, you know, um, the business can't survive that's helping the people. So yeah, it's a lot of lessons that I've had to learn along the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not alone, alone in that. And like, yeah, I guess it, it is, it is like unfortunate that, you know, one person can kind of spoil it for, for others. And like, I think all of us have been burned at some point or another. And so that's why we've had to put rules in place. But like, if you hadn't had that contract in place with the language that it had, you wouldn't have been able to enforce it because she would have just stopped paying. (laughs) And to be honest too, if she would have done a chargeback threat because you provide a service and not a physical product or a good of some sort, if, if she had done a chargeback threat without a contract in place, she would have won because no service was being provided. So I wanted to talk to you about chargeback threats because we, we had talked about this earlier and so chargeback threat for anybody who doesn't know is like when you charge somebody's credit card for something and then that person goes to their credit card company and complains about the charge on their card to try to get that charge off of their card. And I think sometimes people think that like the credit card companies are like really nice and that they just like eat the fees, but no, that actually comes back to us. So they take the money back from us as as the 
business owners, the merchant. So if in order to properly like fight a chargeback threat, you actually have to have chargeback language in your contract, which was in your contract. So I remember that was something that you and I talked about was like, if she does a chargeback threat, you have language right there that says that you don't accept chargeback threats and that that wouldn't be tolerated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always a fear. <laughs> I'm like always afraid to charge. I've never had a chargeback ever. Um, I think, you know, with chargebacks, the biggest fear is like that feeling of like the, almost like you whenever, you know, you're in high school and someone goes to the crowd of friends and tells a lie and like starts a rumor about you. I feel like chargebacks feel like that way as a business owner, where it's like, I did provide you the service. I did give you this. Like I did offer, you know, what I was supposed to. And like, you know, I don't know what happened, but like that type of yeah. fear is always so strong. And um, yeah, we do have that in our, our language. We haven't had to use it. Thankfully, no one has done that, which has been really great. Um, it is still always a fear though. So it's like nice. I think that's what I asked you. It's like, what, wait, what happens if they do a charge rack? What do I do? And um, I know all of our like uh, use Stripe and they have, you know, places to easily uh, work on that dispute. You know, we keep really good documentation of like mm-hmm. our check-ins. We do things through email. So we have threads of that available. We don't typically handle things on the phone. Um, so that always helps. But yeah, it's, uh, it is a big fear. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you because like you said, it's like you've done all the work and then the idea that somebody could just come and take back the money is really scary. Like you need to be able, as a business owner, you have to be able to rely on the money you've generated for your business and like you're making decisions based on that. Um, You know, what we talked about was that when somebody like Stripe or PayPal comes to you and they'll let you know, so you'll get an email, usually they'll say like, oh, there's a chargeback threat that's been made by this person they have to make like a claim, like a reason, like there's usually like codes or something. And it's like product not as described or like service not provided because they actually have to have a reason. And so what sucks about this is like the handful of times that this has happened to me. I mean, we've processed thousands and thousands of payments and like this has only happened a handful of times. People will always say that like the product wasn't as described or that they didn't like it or something like this. And we just submit like the contract that they agree to when they sign up and we have a 100% success rate with with the chargeback threats. I know that all the other people in the ultimate bundle who have talked about this, it's it's just like you have to have the right paperwork. So the contract would be the one thing that you would have turned into them, like you said, any emails, any communication. Even if you do deal with anybody on the phone, write them an email after you talk to them on the phone and say, this is just a follow-up from our earlier conversation in which you asked me for a one-month extension of your contract, which we agreed to, but you also understood that your payments will continue on time. Like you literally, it's called memorializing. So we literally just memorialize our conversations. If you, even if you have like a DM or they like write in your Facebook group, like that's probably something that I would do is like have somebody on your team follow up and you write something more formal and then that's all the kind of stuff that you would submit and you will have a 100% success rate with fighting any sort of chargeback threats. They're annoying, but they can be so easily handled if you have the right stuff in place. Yeah, that's always good to know. Like it takes away some of those fears to just focus on actual people, (laughs) like focus on actual work, you know, instead of feeling like you're always on edge or wanting to be reactive. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that something you were talking about earlier would be really helpful to hear your thoughts on that. Like you were, you were talking about how you, you, you're a very heart centered person. I know you, you're very kind and loving and giving person, right. And you are doing the work that you are doing because you want to help other people. 
How do you balance that with having boundaries as a business owner at the same time and like having to have maybe like toughen up a little bit in that yeah. respect, right? And like we can't be nice all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's been so hard. Um, I think in some ways I've done it well, in some ways I haven't done it well at all. I'm, you know, right around five years in, and I would say it's been a journey. <laughs> um, so at first it was very much accommodate everybody, people pleaser, someone's not happy, I'll give them even more, you know very low charges, like overdoing it, like most people do at the start. Then I think I got into a little bit of resentment or it's like, whatever, I don't need you as a client. I'll cut you out if you're me. You know, I got through that phase of my life, uh, which wasn't much, but it was there. I think the biggest game changer for me was actually hiring help and empowering the team that I hired to really help me do that well. So what I mean by that is like, yeah, getting my contracts in place helped with like, you know, people agreeing to money and payment plans and, you know, all that stuff is so important and helps at least take it out of like me having to talk about it all the time. And it's just like, okay, this is how the process goes. But I have my assistant, my virtual assistant who helps with like some of our communication and um, she does the payment plans. She does our client onboarding now and she handles like a payment was declined. How do we handle that? Um, And she also sends like rescheduling reminders. So she's the one really keeping up with like, okay, what's this timeline? What is the payment plan? You know, what's going on? And we've talked in length about my uh, weaknesses where I will just keep extending people um, and just keep giving them more and more of my time beyond what I should, according to the agreement. And so she's very good about one, handling some of those conversations for me so it doesn't mess up my relationship with my client as much as she can until I need to step in as like the owner. Um, And that Mm. always works out super well. But then she also is really great at telling me like, hey, do you you realize this person's been on, you know, they're coming up on their four months. Like, you know, are they doing a continuation month with you? Do we need to set up that package and like that payment? You know, what else do we need to do here? And she has really helped empower me to like say, okay, you're right. We do need to do that. So like accountability um, mm. more than anything. And then we do offer like continuation packages because we used to extend people. Um, and I realized like, okay, they paid for that amount of time. Like I can't keep giving my services without being paid. Um, and so we started offering these different packages. And when I've had successes with clients who've been on top of it, that's super encouraging to me. So I've built a lot of my mm. own confidence. Like, oh yeah. And I don't work with like the, I always say, I don't work with the richest people in the world. I work with people who, you know, are sacrificing to work with me, which is so hard. Um, it's not just like a drop in the bucket for them. It is a really big deal, but I've had clients who are so willing to pay me when I should be paid in order to like get that service. And that is a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is valuable. Like this is important. Like this is expected from this person. You know, it's not just me in my head thinking like they can't do it or they won't do it or whatever it may be, or that I need to just give them all of me for whatever that small price was at the beginning. Um, So yeah, accountability plus more confidence, the more that people have actually Mm. done it. Yeah, absolutely. I think confidence goes a long way. Like I think the more you practice this, but I could also see how not, I feel like you have to make a lot of decisions as a business owner day to day, like, and so you have decision fatigue, like on a good day. Mm -hmm. So not having to constantly be like, oh, this person's going to be mad at me. Like, should I do this? Or what if this person leaves? What if they just end up canceling their card? Like you just get out of having to make all those decisions by delegating that to somebody who's not so like wrapped up in it. Right. And they're not dealing with these people 
day to day. Yeah, she's more, and she's comes in to onboard them at the start. So she's kind of known mm-hmm. as being like the assistant. So it's helpful because she's already from the starting point that she's the one that you go to for like technology issues or like those little things that as the provider, it can make you get in your head of like, oh, they're not happy, they're upset, whatever. When they're not, it's just they couldn't log into their account. You know, um, it's like such a small thing that they need help with, but having that a bit separated has been helpful. And then I'm that person for my team often where like this instance that we talked about, you know, she, the client messaged both the dietitian she's working with and myself, I'm the one that handled it um, and put the the Mm. language in place and then put them together to like decide, you know, starting date, you know, based on the dietitian's comfort too. But, um, you know, having that person who can kind of handle that, like, Hey, your card was declined. Like, do you have another card you want to use? Like simply just, making that statement, um, you know, is so much easier with someone who's not the provider. And we've had zero issues really with that. Um, every time I thought, you know, now we also charge, we have a fee if you try to cancel your contract before you begin with us, because that's a problem we've Mm. seen in the past. You know, you and I talked about that where I didn't have it before and I had someone and then their pay, their card was declined whenever I went to charge it. And it was like, Oh no, they gave me a false card. You know, I spiraled again this is all the same week. So I was like, bad week already. Um, it's like, Oh no, they're just going to like not even message me back. And I can't even enforce this thing I have in my contract. And they were so reasonable and they fixed Mm. the problem and it worked out and it was fine. Um, and so, and she helped me handle that to help like, okay, she put the credit card in there. She's working to charge it. She's following up with people and it takes that weight off of me. Um, to, to feel like I have to do that. And, also have that emotional connection with this person based on their healthcare needs. Yeah. It's kind of hard to continue to serve somebody when you're like a little pissed about their <laughs> contract stuff or payment or whatever. It's, it can be, it's a little too close to home. Yeah. Um, so I like that idea. At what point in your business did you end up hiring a VA? Like how were you able to go from being you not like to not handling that yourself. Yeah. Um, I've hired some assistants before this person, but she was the first one who started doing that. And I think she came on two to three years into my business. She was actually one of my first clients, um, which that alone, like was the trust is built. She knew my, my company. I knew she had a virtual assistant business because of our work together. Um, so I reached out to her, uh, to see if she had, you know, extra room or just what that would look like. And because she had already worked on the back end, she had a background in health, um, like insurance billing before. I don't remember how long it took for her to really do that part of it. Maybe two, two years ago. So I guess the first like three years of my business. Um, but yeah, and it's always been sort of automated, but the, the handling of, okay, this didn't go through or, you know, all that stuff it was something I was doing before that. So it's definitely yeah. been a game changer having that. And even the onboarding part, like outside of money, you know, technology is huge. It's just like, can someone log in? Are they frustrated with that process? Because technology can be really frustrating and how to log their food in the platform that we use and how to access things like having to deal with like those frustrations as someone that's also now coming in as the provider. Like, I feel like sometimes it did put a little bit of a it was just a sour taste or it felt like me as the provider. I felt like I was always on edge of like, Oh no, here we go again. Like, you know, that was wrong. And then maybe I miscommunicated something, you know, it, it made me feel like the load was like getting heavier for me 
even if the client never felt that way, but it just at least allowed the client to have someone to go to for those separate issues and took some of that weight off of me so that I could work on, okay, the actual relationship and the struggles I get to handle are the ones of, you know, the healthcare process or things like that, um, which do come up in my work too. So yeah, it's been such a game changer. Yeah, it lets you stay in your zone of genius, and that's what I'm making notes on. And then, like, I'm also seeing that, like, separating you from, like, that more stressful stuff in the business. Like, I know for me, it was it was a game changer for me when I let go of that part of the business and brought somebody on to handle it because that was the stuff that was making me, like, resent the business or work or creating content or creating for my, like for my email list or whatever. And like, now I don't see if somebody writes me a really bad email, like they take care of it. I don't see it. I see, I see all the other emails and I reply to that stuff, but I, I don't see like the really bad stuff or if somebody doesn't pay, I don't know. So I can continue to just show up and serve because I don't know about you, Aaron, but like for me, I also felt like I had like thousands of people in the ultimate bundle. Right. And I do have thousands of people in it. And if like one person would say, write something mean or not pay or cancel their card, I would make up this whole big story about how like this applied to everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, this isn't fair to everybody else. Like all these people do is want for me and they take, and they don't mind not paying and blah, blah. And I was like, wait, we're talking about one person yeah. out of thousands of people. Right. And so just like in your DMS, you get you get some interesting ones <laughs> and then but you have way more people who are there being respectful and and are interested in thanking you and all that kind of stuff right it's like hard to balance that not applying it to everyone oh absolutely and i i don't think that changes right no matter how personal your business is or not mine's extremely personal because it is mm-hmm. based on my knowledge and my experience and my, even my yeah. own history with ibs and my personal connection to everything there um and you're right sometimes people are frustrated and we don't get a lot of negative reviews from clients like that, you know, did happen a little bit more with a team um, and mm. you know, transitioning people to different levels of care, especially in the past. But, um, you know, whenever that has happened, even if I can tell myself like they're frustrated because they didn't do the work or like they're frustrated because this curveball came in in their life, you know, that threw them off from what the work that we're doing. Like, it's still so easy to take it personally of like, well, I must be a terrible provider because, you know, they had a family death and then they had, you know, school changes and then their kids got sick for months on end. So it must be my fault, you know, that I couldn't help them like do perfectly through that situation. Um, You know, it's so easy to take that on. And even if a client doesn't even blame me for it, there are often times Mm -hmm. where I would blame myself it is my fault or, you know, all of that. And especially a bad review, which doesn't happen often. It happened once from a mother named Karen of a child who That's hilarious. accidentally <laughs> signed up for something that said two payments and she thought she only needed to make one payment, you know, that whole situation. Um, so it's yeah. one of my Yelp reviews, but it's funny because it's clearly, you know, it's clearly fake and just charge. Yeah. But even when I remember whenever that happened, that was my first year of business, I think, or second. And just being told that you're like a fraud and lying to everyone, even though I literally have a screenshot of like, this is the page that she signed. It literally says two payments. Here's the agreement. You know, um, it it does get to you and it hurts a bit. And, uh, you know, the legal side, I think helps add that layer of protection so that it doesn't truly hurt you completely. But the emotional side of it is still very hard. Um, I wish we could, we had a, a contract for that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That would be nice. I know. It's, it's the contract. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're right. It's the personal side. I think I think it's like we take it personally and that makes a lot of sense to me as to why. Like we put I think when it's your business, like you've just put everything into it. And yeah. it's and then your face is plastered all over it and you and your poop pillow. So it's like hard to, you know, it's hard not to take it personally when when something goes wrong. And so uh, that makes sense. I, the only two things that have helped me in this arena like you and I have talked about this, but like continuing to practice that separation of me and my business, just period. That's like across the board. That's really helpful. Just like my business is my business. I'm a separate person and like whatever. I just kind of like run my business. So that helps. Um, and then I think the second thing that's helped me when I've, we had only like one like interesting person who wrote a, a bad review in, in the like seven years, uh, who was like nine months after she bought the ultimate bundle suddenly realized that she didn't want it. And she had logged in the goal a bunch of times and then just like threw a fit. And so she went on one of these like public social media tirades where she like posted about us and tagged us and tried to like smear me online. It's whatever. But it was helpful to like have that attitude of like, let her have her tantrum, right? Like sometimes people, sometimes your clients are going to just have tantrums and it actually has nothing to do with us. Like you were Mm -hmm. saying, like they could be going through all this other stuff. And so let them have their tantrum. And I don't need to control other people's narrative of me. Mm -hmm. Like that's been like a huge one for me to just come back and be like, it's okay for them to think that about me. And if it's okay, it's okay for them to think something that I don't see as being true or consistent with my character or whatever. Like, it's all right. And just like practicing, releasing that control. It's way easier said than done, but that's like really the only thing that's helped. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what helps me is sometimes remembering just having to give myself that conversation of like, this is not worth my time. Like my clients Mm. that are showing up day and like truly my clients, I don't have clients that are acting like that. You know, it's like, that's not worth my time. I can handle it. If I lose money over it, I can move on, you know, I've gone through it before it all will get better, but it only gets better if I focus on what's really important. And, you know, I've had those periods where I've let it get to me with bitterness. Um, and it shows up where then that becomes true a little bit where you're not the best practitioner or, um, provider or the content you put out kind of sucks because you were bitter and guarded and, you know, you were frustrated and, and of yourself. And, I've done the whole, you know, go to Instagram stories of like, can you believe someone commented this about, me? Yeah. you know, and even that sometimes I usually delete it right after. So I'm like, wait, that doesn't feel good, nor is it really helpful. It's like, it's more helpful just to delete it, block them, move on. They're not worth it. Um, they're not worth that energy. Like what's worth it is like, okay, how can I show up and educate? How can I give to the people that actually care? Because that's where one, I'll make money, you know, as a business owner, but also it's where I'll end up feeling better. And like, I'm truly valued. I'm not valued by the person that, you know, thinks I'm stupid online or whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't get that. Don't that yeah. That's also my assistant. She does a lot of that. She does filtering because she follows me and will like comment or interact. She lets me know if people are reaching out to my audience. That happens all the time. Um, Practitioners, you know, using my comment section to leave the same comment every day, you know, to try to boost their own profile. Like, you know, all those little things that are just so annoying and can lead you to compare yourself. Like she handles that and we have a process for it. And it very much is you're blocked or restricted. No one's going to see your stuff. I'm not giving you any of my attention um, and we're moving on because it's just not worth it. Yeah, definitely. I call that Instagram sharking. It's really oh, annoying. Yeah. yeah, there's like waiting in the waters to see like, can I jump in to Aaron's clients? I had to ask oh. somebody once. I was like, 
does everyone else see this? Like, do you recognize this? Or is it just me that like the same person leaves like a clappy hand every day or, you know, always has to bring it back to like, this is what I help my clients do. This is what I always you do. know, things mm-hmm. like that. It's not even bad. Like a lot of times they're agreeing, but more often than not, it's not them. It's someone that's yeah. trying to help them grow. And it feels kind of dirty as. Oh, absolutely. Person. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I was just writing this in my book yesterday. Um, when I first, it was after I started my business, but I would say it was like when it first started to take off, a girl from my law school wrote to me and was like, Oh, I'm so inspired by you. I'm so impressed that you like left the law, blah, blah, blah. I want to leave law too, but like, don't worry, I'm doing something totally different. I want to become a health coach. I'm like, okay. So she joins my Facebook community and proceeds to, I had thousands of people in there at the time. It was like this free Facebook community. She proceeded to Facebook message every single person in the community to sell them fat loss pills and told them that her and I were friends from law school. So everybody thought that it was like, I was helping her to do this. Not good. And Mm -hmm. let's just say she did not get the best part of my personality when I found out about this. I was like, what are you doing? Like, that is not okay. Yeah, it's Uh, not not cool. So it does happen to people. I know. It happens so... I mean, it's taught by coaches. And remember my first business coach that helped me start on Instagram. There were some things that were just not really great. I probably don't have any. But there are some things that weren't great, but it did help me start my business. But one of the methods was like, oh, you go find, you know, people who are doing the same thing and you like basically mimic their posts and you do all this. And it was, I, thankfully, I mean, I'm very hardcore. I have to be authentic, like emo band where, you know, that's me. And so I, my being cannot fully copy someone and feel good about it. Um, But I remember I tried that a few times where I was like, okay, I'm going to comment on all these people's posts. I was like, I don't have anything to say. And I feel yeah, this is so weird. like, I, I don't feel like myself. Like I feel like I'm trying to do something that I can't do. Like I'm trying to be funny in ways that I'm just not, I don't understand what I'm even saying. Like, and it was a waste of my time. It's so draining. And so thankfully early, I was like, I'm not doing that. And then I held the badge of like, you know, pride of like, well, I've never done that. So you shouldn't have to do that. And now it's like, okay, I have grace for people. Like I get it. They're hustling. They're trying to do what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But I've asked you, I mean, my assistant is is a great example. She'll tell me all the time. She's like, that's just so strange. I don't understand. Like anyone who messaged, like, I don't get it. Like, what are they? I don't trust them because they're like trying to use you. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just weird. And yeah, it really is. Like, it feels very insecure. And, and then as me being on that side of it, because I've gotten to see that, it's like, I have a very strong, like, I don't want to use my friends. I didn't ask me on your podcast. You asked me, you know, like, I I don't want to use my friends for, their following or use people for what they, you know, have to offer in their communities. Like, because at the end of the day, I think it does show and I don't, and everything becomes public. I think, you know, we've been Mm -hmm. on TikTok now, like everyone knows all your business and things will come back to haunt you if you're trying to. What's happening over on TikTok? Fill us in for those of us who aren't there. Ruthless, right? It's like you... Uh-huh. try to sneak around and like, they will dig you up. Like it's like a ton of reporters, you know, where everyone can like look at what you posted 10 years ago and, you know, follow you along, which that in and of itself, you know, maybe don't go too wild on people. Cause like everyone has had a past, but at the same time, it's like, I think it shows and people will see it. It's mm-hmm. not like you can hide yourself trying to, you know, message people, steal things from people. And you talk about that a lot, like the copycats, I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. had that. I used to 
panic about it and try to like search all my keywords. And now I'm like, okay, no, I, I can't care about that because it's going to waste my energy. Um, so I haven't had that yet, but you know, things like even just mimicking posts, I used to get so mad at people like, why are you copying me? And now it's like, you know what, let them do what they're going to do. Like people mm-hmm. see it. And honestly, I don't care at the end of the day, because if they didn't have the creativity to come up with it, like they're not going to have the creativity to sustain it. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or the TikTokers will point. find them. <laughs> Yeah, apparently. I like this little investigative side of, of TikTok. Yeah. It's intriguing. Me, maybe I should be on TikTok. That's uh, drama. Like, you know, it's like everyone finding out anything. You know, it's like all the hot topics. Like people, there's a lot of cancel culture to it, which I think would be a little yeah, intense and like ganging up yeah. on people. But at the same time, it's like you can't be fake because the more maybe you get in the spotlight, the more people, one, don't want that. And so people will be there to try to bring you down, which is really rough. But if you get there in a way that's not truly authentic, like there's no way you can stay there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been such an interesting conversation. I hope so helpful for people about like navigating some of these sticky issues. Are there any other legal questions or anything you have for me before we go today? Do I have any other legal questions? I don't think so. Probably because I haven't thought enough about them. <laughs> I have a situation if we have time. Because it might yeah, go for time, it. Because I didn't know how to deal with this. Um, so hiring. Um, mm. And we'll talk employees because I know contractors. We're in the contract model now. It was smarter. Should have done that to start. Um, I did employees at first. And I had an employee once. Full time. Um, that was not working 40 hours when that was agreed to. And I knew it the whole time, didn't enforce that, kept trying to follow up on it, didn't know how to handle it. Well, then when she left, which was fairly abrupt, I lost so much money having Mm -hmm. to refund people above even what I needed to because she wasn't fulfilling their contracts. Um, so like people were trying to book with her, but she wouldn't, she wasn't schedule. showing up on time. She wasn't wow. responding to emails on time. Like all of that's in our contract of what we are responsible for. Um, and so she just wasn't working <laughs> and I'm still a little like hurt by it. Cause that yeah. again, felt like a slit throat of like, Oh my gosh, you stole from me. You betrayed me. And I let it go because at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not going to take any legal action against this person, nor do I have true proof, I guess, that that happened. But how do you handle that? Or like, what do you do to Mm -hmm. set yourself up, especially in employees versus like contractor situations where there's a salary and time that they're committed to? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, okay, so on the, I'll I'll answer it kind of a little bit of both so that if people... I know a lot of people are hiring contractors, like you said. So if you are hiring contractors, the way that you would handle this is that in the contract, which I saw the template for, but in the contract, you you would have it spelled out about like how they get paid and when they get paid. And they would only get payment once they fulfill. So whenever you're dealing with contractors, that we would prevent this situation from happening in the future by making sure like she wouldn't have gotten paid until she actually fulfilled those hours, had those sessions, the the client money was already in the bank, like that kind of thing. With employees, employees are so much trickier in terms of like documentation and having to really like 
be so much more formal than even than even I probably appreciated before I started hiring full-time employees. Because again, to back to the beginning of our conversation, I think we all come at this like thinking everyone's good and means well and we like people and we're just trying to help and yada yada. And unfortunately, not everyone is like that. So with employees, first you would have an employment contract, right? Where it would spell out like what the hours are, what the expectations are, and what has to be fulfilled. From there, like you were saying that you had you had hints all along that you felt like that was, this was not what was happening, like she wasn't doing stuff. So if and when you had had those hints and you looked into it and you had something to actually like show, you know, first you would have had like a meeting with her to discuss it. And then you would have followed up with that little memorialization email saying, this is to follow up on our conversation earlier today. After that would probably become a verbal warning. Um, so, and the verbal warning would be a verbal warning you give like in a zoom call, but then you follow up with an email to say, I gave you a verbal warning. Like it would be a formal verbal warning. After that, you could say like, I'm going to write you up. Like this is going in your employment file. And at that point you're just building a case. So like, hopefully the goal would be that somewhere along that way, she would snap to and be like, I have to fulfill these hours. If she didn't though, and you kept documenting it, then you would be in a good position to fire her. Um, you know, unfortunately when it comes to an employee like that and you fire them, you can't be like, I fired, like this happened to me. It's like, we let somebody go and they didn't do good work and there's just nothing you can do. Like, I can't say like, give me my money back. I could have extended her some sort of payment for like, uh, you know, for leaving for a certain time. I decided not to do that because of it in light of what I found out. Um, so like you can make certain decisions like that. But otherwise, there's like really not anything you can do within this employee role to like go back and penalize them. I guess unless they worked on commission, that would maybe be if you com- if you structure an employee like a commission, which I could see for some coaches that that might work because if they bring in the client, then maybe they make a different payment. And then you could have something in your contract that's like you only get paid for your commission once the client like work has been performed or the money has been received and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have better Would it have been helpful? Contractors yeah, now. yeah. Now I learned the big lesson yeah. of like, oh, don't let things keep going, you know, as the business owner, like, don't just try to like scoot around it. Like if you feel like the business is in jeopardy, like you need to take action on it sooner. But yeah, interesting things to learn. And I think what a lot of business owners don't know is that you actually have what we call a fiduciary duty to do that kind of stuff. So when you start a company, it's almost like you take on a caretaker role for something and like you actually have a legal obligation to protect it. And so in that case, for example, like, you know, someone's doing something to harm your business or maybe in somebody else's case, it's like someone's stealing from them or like doing bad to their clients or whatever, you actually have an obligation to do something about it. So that's, if that like helps anybody to, um, you know, any other people pleasers out there like me and Aaron who are like, well, we don't want to upset anybody so we don't say anything. Well, it's kind of not your choice. That's like, that, that kind of took a lot of pressure off of me. Like I remember when I had a sour situation, I just felt like a weight of responsibility towards my business. Not It was no longer like, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's like, this is this thing is bigger than me, and I owe it this obligation. Um, and I have other people who are relying on it. Like you have other people who are relying on it. Not only your clients, but you have other contractors now who are working for you. So it's you know I think it's helpful to think about it that way too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Aaron. This has been so helpful. I'm going to share my top three takeaways after we go today. Um, but will you let everybody know where to find you? And if you have like an IBS freebie or anything, any resources for them where you think we should point them, that would be really helpful. Yeah. So you can find me on social media, Instagram, TikTok at AaronJudge.rd. Um, and then we do have a free like mini course for IBS. So if you're interested in that, it's linked on the social medias. Or if you go to gutavate.com slash hello, that's kind of our little link tree. So you can see that free course. Um, we also have a membership for IBS. If you're looking for help and guidance, um, it's very easy to access and get into. Um, but that free course is a little part of that membership just to get a taste of it. Perfect. I'll link to everything down below. Thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. And thank you for having me. I hope that that episode was as helpful for you as, as, I w- as I'm wanting it to be, because I just really wanted to, my goal with this little series that I'm going to be doing where I bring on some guests who have gone through some different legal hiccups or have le- their own legal questions is that I really want to get to the root of what you're dealing with in your business, like on the ground every day. These are the real things that are happening. So you don't have to take it from me. I know it can sometimes feel like, oh, is this stuff really going to happen to me? Like, is this stuff true? Is it really that big of a deal? I I just want you to hear it from people who are actually experiencing this on the ground. So I thought that was really helpful. Okay, here are my three takeaways from my interview with Aaron. Number one, I think it's really hard in our businesses to balance compassion with boundaries. I thought she had a lot of good takeaways about that. But I think my my takeaway here is just like that it is difficult. And I want to recognize that and that I know you come from a good place. But I also want to normalize that you can be a nice, compassionate person while having boundaries. The second thing that I thought was most impactful about what Aaron shared was that I see the power in separating yourself like from the legal side or the more like technical, like enforcing boundaries, enforcing rules, enforcing your contract side of your business so that you can stay in your zone of genius. Um, but that, so you also can continue to serve people. Like I thought something that Erin kept coming back to was that she wanted to make sure she could still serve her clients fully without being like tainted by all the stuff that might be going on in the background. So I thought that was really helpful. The third thing that I thought was great about what Aaron said today was that having the right legal pieces in place is really what ended up saving her. I mean, in every single example that she shared, it was the fact that she had a contract or had the right contract or had the right language in it or had a policy already set up for it and had made things available to people. Like she had all the stuff in place and she really crossed her T's and dotted her I's and she knew what she was doing. And that's what allowed her to get paid continue to run her business, continue to grow her business, and serve her clients at the same time. So like I mentioned earlier, Erin is a part of the Ultimate Bundle program. If you've been checking out the Ultimate Bundle program for a while, you're going to want to keep your eyes peeled next Monday, October 16th through the 20th. I have a very special deal coming for you on the bundle, but it's only good for those five days only. If you don't know what the Ultimate Bundle is, that's my signature program. That gives you over 10 DIY contract templates, all the fill in the blank contract templates, like for your website, for working with clients, selling courses, um, a membership program, all that kind of stuff is included. Plus you get um, access to over 35 on-demand trainings from me teaching you everything from how to legally form your business to getting paid to what to do if somebody doesn't pay you 
to how to protect your intellectual property. That is going to be on major sale next week for one week only. So keep your eyes peeled for that. If you have any questions at all, of course, reach out to me. Otherwise, I hope you loved this episode and I'll see you in a few days. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi. Just remember that although I am a attorney, I am not your attorney and I am not offering you legal advice in today's episode. This episode and all of my episodes are informational and educational only. It is not a substitute for seeking out your own advice from your own lawyer. And please keep in mind that I can't offer you legal advice. I don't ever offer any legal services, but I think I offer some pretty good information.